Hi everyone, I'm Garrett Mansfield, the voice of the Altoona Curve, and welcome to another edition of The Roundhouse, the official podcast of the Altoona Curve. Very excited about today's show for a lot of different reasons. We have playoff races starting to heat up, Major League Baseball put out their bubble plan earlier this week, and the Pirates' alternate site is beginning to wind it down. We'll take a look into all of that here soon, in addition to a, an interview with Pirates 2020 first-round pick Nick Gonzalez. We'll hit all of that very soon, but first, a reminder that the Stockyard Team Store is open for virtual business 24-7 at altunacurve.com. There's been a chilly bite in the air over the last week or so, so it's a perfect time to snag a new Curve hoodie or jacket. Also, starting on Monday, you'll be able to shop in person here at the ballpark from 9 to 4. All right, looking around at baseball this week, there's some playoff races really heating up as we stand less than 10 days away from the close of the regular season. One team has already punched their ticket into the postseason with the Los Angeles Dodgers clinching. As we take a look into things with the expanded playoffs, it's, it's going to be a little interesting here coming down at the stretch. Some teams getting hot, some teams really cooling off, and, but every, and every game is going to really be vital for the rest of the way. Earlier this week, Major League Baseball put out their 2020 playoff schedule, and that will be played inside of a bubble, or at least most of it will be. San Diego, LA, Houston, and Arlington will be the host for the Division and League Championship Series, followed by the first neutral site World Series in modern history. That will be played down at the new home of the Texas Rangers Globe Life Field. So these won't be our grandfathers or heck, even our fathers' baseball playoffs. As you might have met, as you might have caught at the beginning of the season, when baseball put their return to play plan in action, each league would get eight teams into the playoffs, and it would start with a best of three series for the wild card, the first wild card series we've ever seen. And these will be played at the higher seeds ballpark. Now, I think there's some contention even in five-game series of how unpredictable those can be by winning three out of five. Just imagine a wild card series going to the best of three. You only have to win two games. Uh, we talked about the Dodgers already in the playoffs. Can you imagine the eight seed, perhaps the, the Cincinnati Reds or the, or the San Francisco Giants getting into the postseason late and then bouncing the Dodgers because they get hot? and ride that streak it took for them to get into the playoffs. You never know what's going to happen. And then if you go into the playoff bubbles, starting in the division series, again, as usual, this is where things will look a little bit more like normal. Uh, the National League series will go to Texas for Houston and Arlington. That's where the National League series will be. And I, I like how they did that because there won't be any advantage for a team that might be in the playoffs uh, in each league, whereas you know, Houston or uh, LA or even San Diego, you know, that way they won't be playing any home games. They have to be officially neutral site, which is great. But again, best of five division series, best of seven league championship series at those neutral site locations. But there's going to be no off days during those five or seven game series, which means that the roster composition is going to be a little different than normal. You're going to need at least five starters for sure. The bullpens might be used 
in a very different way. It's going to be wild, and it's going to be different than normal, and we'll, we'll hit that as, as we get to it, but just so we're refreshing everybody's memories about how the, the upcoming playoffs are going to work and how, the, how we can unpack them here. And again, to cap that all off, the World Series, that will be held October 20th through the 28th at Globe Life Field in Arlington. That will have two off days after Game 2, and then after Game 5, it looks a little bit more traditional. But because of the no off days during the remainder, or during the, the other parts of the playoffs, means we can wrap up the World Series before the beginning of November. As we shift away from that topic, unfortunately, the Pirates are not in that conversation. In fact, looking more towards how the draft order for 2021 will be looking for the Pirates. Still, we, there's no indication from the commissioner on how that's going to look. Is it going to be based on just 2020 results, a combination of the 2019 and 2020 results? We still don't know. And I think Pirates fans are very excited about even though a, a tough season to, to handle on the field, uh, the Pirates currently have the worst record in baseball in a normal year that would set them up for the number one pick. However, the commissioner has the final say on what that's going to be. So the Kumar Rockers sweepstakes might not be as easy as it seems right now. There could be a combination of last year's results. I believe the Pirates, if you combine last year and this year, they would swap into about fourth or fifth in draft order. Uh, but if there's a combination, there, there's this third option that is kind of a 50-50 weighted system. It's more along the lines of taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that, putting it together. And that would also put the Pirates at the top. But we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. Uh, a lot of things with baseball to, to get sorted out during this offseason. A uh, professional baseball agreement between the, ma the majors and minors needs to be worked out, uh, among other things. And the draft, very much a central piece of that as well. For the Pirates, great to see Mitch Keller back on the hill. He's healthy, and it's good to see him get a couple of turns to the rotation here at the close of the year. And staying in the pitching staff for Pittsburgh, Blake Cedarland, another Curve alumni, making his Major League debut for the Pirates on Tuesday. Threw 99 on his first pitch, and he was close to 100 at other times during that night. A quick 1-2-3 inning for the Bucks. I got to say, though, that the last couple of debuts with the Pirates, they've generated a lot of, a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement around the fan base. We, we saw Key Brian Hayes a couple of weeks ago, and then Cedarland this week. And I really hope that's something that continues. I think seeing a young team getting opportunities to play, and you have just this different energy level. And that's one thing that's, one thing that's been different from years past to the couple of highly touted players that have gone up and, and gotten to the big leagues for the first time this year, is they look ready. Cedarland looked ready. He looked like a big league reliever. Key Brian Hayes looked like a big league third baseman when he got through. Neither of them have looked overmatched, and they, that is really an encouraging step on the player development side. As we, we look ahead, uh, other things happening with the Pirates, the 2021 spring training schedule is out. As far as the 2020 Bucks, the, they're on their final homestand of 2020 at PNC Park right now. The Cardinals and Cubs coming to town until next Thursday, and then they finish up their season for three games in Cleveland, and that closes out 2020 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Sticking on the topic of winding down, the training site here in Altoona, they've had their last on-field activity. There will be a group going to Pittsburgh to continue training with provide depth to the Major League team, and then the rest will head to Bradenton for fall instructs, and I believe there might be a couple of others that have more individualized plans uh, for them, either sent, either going back to uh, going back home or, or bringing others in. We'll see how that instructional league works out because I'm very going to be very fascinated to see who is involved, what's involved. Are they going to get a chance to play against other organizations and get some some more competition worked in? It's going to be a very interesting time this fall for player development and get something to keep an eye out on. And we'll definitely do that for you here as well. We'll get more details, hopefully, on that in the next couple of weeks. As things get to a close on the Major League season, I think some of, some of that attention will go down into Bradenton as to what's happening at Pirate City, at least on the Pittsburgh baseball scene. So as we, we hit on some of that development, it's a great place to, to cap off some of this Taxi Squad series uh, here on the Roundhouse as we, we visit with Nick Gonzalez today. Gonzalez was the Pirates' first-round selection this year during the shortened 2020 Major League Draft, picked with the seventh overall selection. Gonzalez is a native of Arizona. He walked on at New Mexico State in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And there as a true freshman, he played in 57 games, a walk-on, and then played 57 games in the spring. He hit 347 that year, came back as a sophomore, hit 432. Yeah, that's right, 432. And then uh, during the pandemic-shortened 2020 season, not only did he undergo a position change, he, he moved over from second base to shortstop, but he hit 448 in 16 games. Only a handful of games for that season to even be played, but he, he performed extremely well. And again, as an Aggie, we, he was in the middle infield, and we've seen him in a couple of middle infield spots here in Altoona. And after he signed with the Pirates, Gonzalez was brought to Altoona to start his pro career. And this training ground has been a valuable learning experience for the 21-year-old, and one that could have him reach the majors perhaps sooner rather than later. So I hope you enjoy how he describes all of this in his own words as we bring Nick Gonzalez into the roundhouse. All right, Nick Gonzalez is our guest this week. Nick, welcome to Altoona. Happy to have you here. And I got to tell you, if, if I had told you in March you'd be at a double-A ball club, you probably would have called me crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, first off. I, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, it's been a blessing, you know, in disguise, I think, the uh, you know, to get the opportunity to come here and, and learn from some of the, the best guys in our organization and the best coaching and everything like that has been awesome. Um, it's been something that, you know, I'm really fortunate to be a part of. Yeah, Nick, and I think one of the first things uh, to really get a, a grasp on for how your year has gone as a whole is to kind of back up to the college portion of your year. The Aggies of New Mexico State obviously got a chance to play a little bit of ball earlier in the spring. You're the only person that's been here at the alternate site that's had the ability, ability to say that I played competitive baseball uh, in terms of against another team this year. That, that's something odd to think about. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, um, you know, I got to play uh, the 15 or 16 games um, from the college season, and I know a lot of guys didn't get to play much, so you're kind of still on that same uh, playing field as everyone else when you got here. And 
uh, things were new and things were, you know, rolling and we were just all kind of getting used to uh, this new COVID, um, you know, different lifestyle almost uh, at the ballpark and, you know, not being able to go anywhere else outside of the ball field. And, and we all were kind of just getting used to it. And once the word got passed down that the college season was going to be halted and ultimately postponed, what was the process like for you? Did you dive right into draft preparation and getting ready for the the draft in June? Or was it more of, okay, we'll focus on getting these classes finished up? Or was it a combination of all of that? Yeah, I think a combination of all of, all of that. I, I remember hearing the news. We were as a team, we had just had a meeting, and uh, the coach had said, uh, Coach Kirby, or our head coach, had said, um, you know, there wasn't anything yet, nothing official. We're still kind of just waiting, seeing what happens. And then right after that meeting was over, right about 10, 15 minutes after, they had canceled everything. And, and my first uh, first thought was just to feel for all the seniors who had put in so much work for four years, five years um, for some of them, and then you know, for their season just to be gone like that and not sure, you know, what's next for them. Um, and then I was immediately uh, moving on to, to getting ready for the draft and getting ready for and preparing for a uh, minor league season and my first professional season um, because, you know, at that time you don't really know how how uh, long the virus is going to last or the pandemic or anything like that. So you kind of just uh, kept going like you were going to play, you know, that next day or whatever. Yeah, that's great insight. And I think for you, you have a very unique experience in terms of players that we've had at Altoona recently and even really historically, because a lot of the draft emotions, the the process, all of that's still pretty fresh in your mind, even though you've been going through some professional activities now where usually it's a couple of years in the past and guys have very fond memories of what draft night was like. And some of that memory is still being built for you, but it, it's still, like we said, very fresh. So what was that like, even though it was a shortened draft? I mean, you were expecting to have your name called and, you know, what were those emotions bubbling up on that uh, very, uh, on that first night, yet alone, you're able to get right off the board. Yeah, it was, you know, pure excitement and joy from everyone, including myself and my family and everything. Uh, we had been waiting, you know, when the season was going on, it was going fast and everything was moving fast. And then once the season got canceled, you know, those three months takes, takes a little bit, um, you know, it's not, you're not playing baseball every day and you're not getting to do, you know, what makes time go by fast. So, for me and for my family, we we were pretty impatient just waiting, and, you know, we really wanted to know what was next. But I think as that week approached, it, it really went by fast, and we were so excited and, and fortunate to be in the position where we were and that the, the draft was still on because I know there was talks of it may not being uh, happening this year, but we were just so excited that it happened and, and ready to move forward. And then after that draft process, the you know the signing period came and it came and went, and it seemed to be uh, a pretty easy transition for for a lot of guys during that those first couple of rounds, just because of uh, all the the different things happening. But anyways, then you go right into to pro ball and a very unique situation here with the alternate site. Even though some time had passed, 
Um, you know, for for you, everyone obviously would prefer to be playing games for further development. Um, we probably would have seen you maybe maybe short season for a very short time, and then low A maybe Bradenton or heck even even Altoona by the time uh, we got to the to be to being all said and done if everything happened as scheduled. But how has this alternate side environment gotten you indoctrinated to becoming a pro? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, getting to see. Uh, the guys' routines and how they go about their work and their business every single day has been awesome for me. And I'm also able to to learn from guys who have been here for a few years and they know, you know, all the shifts and they know everything that we need to do, uh, what we're looking to do on defense, what we're looking to do on offense. And I'm able to learn from those guys versus, you know, being a bunch of new guys and we're all trying to learn at the same time and, and catch our footing. So it's been really nice to have some older guys helping me out and, you know, also competing against some guys who are up and down in the big league level who have made their debut, their big league debut, and, you know, to face them. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for in the game of baseball is to, you know, face guys who make you better, um, compete against guys who are going to make you better. And, and, you know, it's been awesome for me to be out here and, and training with those type of types of people. And, of course, no more homework, papers, schoolwork right now to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, no more homework, and uh, I didn't even bring my laptop. I didn't even bring my laptop to Altoona because I knew just the sight of seeing my laptop, I would, you know, get anxiety about a paper that I didn't do or something. So I, I just I left it at home. There you go, limiting distractions as much as you can. I like it. Now the one of talking to to, to some of the coaches uh, here over the last uh, couple of weeks, and one of the more interesting phrases and exchanges that I've, I've heard that have happened with you was Brian Esposito using the phrase drinking out of a water hose. First of all, it, it took you a little bit to get, you know, to, to see the, see what he meant behind that, but you were able to quickly see what the meaning behind that, that phrase was and how, how did that unfold and how did, how did you come to, to see it on the other side? Yeah, so when I first got here, you know, obviously um, I hadn't been on the dirt um, taking ground balls or doing anything, and and it had been, you know, a couple of months uh, being indoors and training indoors and everything. And then so when I got out on the dirt, you know, I it was taking me a little bit to get used to everything and, you know, getting back out there, uh, just trying to catch my rhythm and everything. And then um, – with the pirates, we have a lot of different uh, shifts, defensive shifts, and we're working on those. and And we have a card that you know kind of tells us where to play defensively based on the the team we're playing and the hitter that's up. and And I was you know just trying to field ground balls and make good throws. And then I'm also trying to figure out where I'm supposed to play. And so he was saying, you know, you know, the first few weeks it looked like I was drinking out of a fire hose. And it was true because I there was so much information and I was trying to process it all at the same time as you know competing out there and and being a good, the best player I could be. So it was like it was tough for me at, at first, and then I think once I kind of settled in, uh, things were so much smoother. And once I got settled in, and uh, you know I was able to take in all the information and apply it in the games and everything like that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of that has you you've caught up. Definitely, just being able to chance to to watch you a little bit. But there was some experience pitching that you were facing right away that you might not have seen for another year or so. 
how how did you handle that learning curve with some experienced arms coming at you every night? Yeah, that that was fun. You know, I I love facing those guys, and I, I think it's great. Uh, you're gonna face them eventually. You know, a high caliber arm, and um, so you know, it took some a little bit of time to get adjusted and and uh, get into the rhythm and groove, and everything was fine. It's been uh, going well. Did you have a, a wow moment or, or anything like that once you got into camp and maybe it was doing something for the first time, maybe putting on your uniform or, or maybe meeting anybody in, in the clubhouse, a coach or, or a teammate that you were like, OK, this is this is uh, this is professional baseball for me now. Yeah, it was definitely when I first got to the clubhouse and I saw my locker, uh, there was some some bats in it, uh, obviously, and then some cleats and uh my helmet it was it's matte black helmet it's beautiful and i saw that and um you know all the jerseys all the pants everything you name it and then i was like okay yeah this is this is real and this is really cool and i'm just super excited to to get to be here and be you know playing this game and, and the place i was at it was awesome now you're you're a, a- you're from the Tucson area where you're home of the University of Arizona, and you have a guy that is in that clubhouse with you every day that was a, a big deal right around the time where you were about to choose uh, your, your college selection, that, that guy being Jared Oliver. Did you, was, was that a little starstruck moment when you first got a chance to connect with him? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember telling him, like, oh, I used to, you know, uh, go to High Corbett for home games and watch you guys play, and – you know, I've I've gotten the chance to meet a few of the guys that I grew up watching play. Uh Oliver, Bobby Dahlback, Scott Kingry. I've gotten to meet some of those guys and it's it's really cool to, you know, cuz you see them as you when you're a kid and you're younger and you you just want to do stuff like they do and then, you know, you get to be right alongside them playing. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure that, that that must have been a tremendous moment for you also. Now here for the, not not just the club in the in Altoona, but also with what's going on in, in Pittsburgh, is, is middle infield depth is is really rich, and for you know there's a lot of shortstops here too. You've been able to work at a couple different positions. Where do you kind of feel more comfortable, and where do you see yourself going as 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 time goes on? Yeah, you know, for me, I'm most comfortable, you know, but the position that uh, I've been playing, you know, whether. You know, when I was playing shortstop in college uh, for my junior year, I was real comfortable over there. And then when I was at second base my previous two years, I was comfortable out there. And so I think anything up the middle, uh, short, second, and center field, and, and, you know, I can get thrown around out there in the outfield too. And, you know, wherever wherever they want me and wherever they put me, I'm comfortable doing it and, and putting in the work to, to become a good uh, defender at that position. Yeah, mentioned center field. Interesting there. I mean, we haven't seen you there. There here doesn't mean we won't uh, in the in the years to come. And who knows? Maybe the conversations start going after this interview. But well, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep that under between you and me as much as we can right now. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, to, to move forward, you know, with swinging the bat, you know, we go back to a Brian Esposito euphemism, and he, he's described your swing as, uh, you know, he swings an angry bat. He, he's used that a couple of different times, and do you use that as, or do you see that to mean like, hey, this is that's a, it, it's aggressive or it's a, it, it's a strong swing, and you know, even though you're adjusting not to to wood bats on a full time basis, and you know, where do you see that describing uh, describing yourself? 
Yeah, I, I like that. You know, when my dad had saw that, he said, I like that a lot. Because, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I was taught from a young age. You go up there and you want to do damage and you want to, you know, swing hard in case you hit it is what my dad used to always tell me. And I, and that's kind of, you know, where I stand with that and, you know, going up there to do damage. And it's, it's a controlled chaos, you know. It's real controlled and it's not... You know, it's not uh, over the top or anything that's crazy uh, to get me off rhythm or anything like that, but definitely uh, going up there to do some damage. That's a tremendous way to, to put that as well. Now, here, here's we, we kind of get close to the end of our time here today. We, we see the end of the, the taxi squad schedule coming up. And as you look back on this time here that you've been able to grow and develop in your first couple of months as a pro ball player, what are some of the bigger things that you're going to look back to and, and really feel 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 good about, uh, whether that be the things you were able to accomplish or even the things you were able to, to do and remember uh, for a long time coming? Yeah, I'll always remember this uh, opportunity. It's my first uh, professional baseball experience. And, uh, you know, I loved every minute of it. You know, it went by so fast. And, um, you know, I really enjoy being out here with, you know, all the coaches and all the players and learning from every single one of them and uh, just using that moving forward into the next uh, whatever's next, hopefully an actual season um, next year. Um, but, you know, it's something that I'll never forget, and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity just to be over here playing and, and competing uh, with my teammates. Yeah, definitely. And you do, what, what, is, what is next, either, either this fall or here the next spring? What do you got on the calendar looking forward yeah, I think uh, I should be heading to Florida um, for like an instructional camp type thing. I'm sure it'd be something similar to here we have in Altoona, and I should be heading there um, soon. And I'm excited to go do that as well because um, I, I had said earlier I, I uh, you know, was planning on playing over 100 games this year, and I only played about 16 in college, and I don't know how many it would equate to that have been, you know, the scrimmage games we play here, but I plan on playing around a hundred still, even though uh, the season was canceled. Yeah. I'd say what, that that's a great goal to get to. And depending how, how things roll out, I, I wouldn't doubt that you're able to get to that. I mean, you probably got 60, 50 or 60 here, but by the time you add it all up uh, here in Altoona. So I think you got close. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, Nick, that, that's all we really have for you today. We Re- really appreciate the time you're able to give to us and, and some of the insight here about, about being here in Altoona. And uh, we, we look forward to maybe even welcoming you back here before the not too distant future. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nick Gonzalez. Great young kid. He's been a pro handling the media requests here that have come in. And I tell you what, he's a, future looks very, very bright. Not only do we thank him for his time today, but we have to thank all of our guests that we've had during the busy days that they've had at the training site. Uh, We've gotten a chance to talk to Will Craig and Max Kranick and Tomas Membrano, the executive chef, keeping these guys fueled up, and Drew Scott making sure they're staying healthy as the athletic training coordinator. Their manager, Brian Esposito, was a guest a couple of weeks ago. It was a fantastic insight to how everything goes here on a day-to-day basis. And then a thank you to, to Jared Oliva and Dion Stafford getting a chance to talk with us and share every single insight that we could possibly get to of this alternate training site. We, we went from, from a veteran infielder 
to a young, up-and-coming starting pitcher. Then we went, of course, into some of the operational inner workings here to the top of the coaching staff, to the outfield, to the catchers, and now here with someone with with Nick Gonzalez that didn't have any exposure to professional baseball and was really getting his first taste of it and how everything operates. I really hope you got the full depth of what was going on here. We will be bringing some more conversations about uh, the experiences here in the weeks to come. So just because the, the taxi squad is, has picked up and moved on does not mean that the memories and the importance of what happened here in Altoona this summer does not mean that it goes away. We'll be talking about it for a little while longer, as well as Pittsburgh Pirates baseball as they wrap up their season and head into a very important offseason gearing up for 2021. We'll have an exciting offseason program laid out, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Roundhouse on your podcast platform so you don't miss a single bit of the conversation. Also, reach out and let us know what you think of the show, and if you have, want a question that you want answered right here on the program, you can email me directly, gmansfield at altunacurve.com, or you can even just drop us a quick note on one of our social media channels, Altoona Curve Baseball on Facebook or at Altoona Curve on Twitter and Instagram. Also, be sure to be plugged into the curve at altoonacurve.com. If it's not on your bookmarks, should be. Also, keep visiting the Around the Curve blog as we share more exclusive content on that site also. That's going to be the end of our show today. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'm Garrett Mansfield saying so long here. From the Roundhouse, the official podcast of the Altoona Curve.